Off the Ball, with thanks to Ford, with summer bonuses for all. Join the winning side with our 152 sales event. Ford, driving expectations even further. One question I've always wanted to ask you. You uh, talk to the batters a lot, Yogi. What do you say to them? Try to help them, Jim. Help them? The guys you want to beat? Sure, I tell them watch out for the pitcher. He's a little wild. Or it's hard to see the ball because of the white shirt. Helpful things, Jim. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yogi, what's your call on camels? That's easy. Camels taste good and smoke mouth. Thanks, Yogi. See you behind the plate. Holy moly, that's a little slice of Americana from back in the day when you can get away with that kind of thing. The legendary Yogi Berra, the world of baseball, saddened this morning by the news that at the age of 90, Berra had uh, passed away. He played for the Yankees between 1946 and 1963, winning 10 World Series before being inducted into the Hall of Fame and went on to have a successful career as a manager um, after that with a couple of different teams, including the Yankees. And I'm delighted to say we dropped in on Jerry Eisenberg a little bit earlier on this evening. He's a sports journalist with the New York Star-Ledger and a longtime friend of Berra's. I started by asking him about his own beautiful tribute on the Ledger website that describes the little town that gave us Yogi Berra and how as a kid he grew up playing baseball and dreaming ultimately of the life that he would go on to have. Yeah, he, you know, uh, he is the American dream. He really is. Um, first of all, he was much smarter than people thought he was. And he would say things, uh, a couple of things he never said, but a couple of them he did. I know for a fact that he said, for example, well, we won't go there for dinner tonight. Uh, it's so crowded, nobody goes there anymore. <laughs> and uh, another one was, uh, he's talking about how the sun would get in the left fielder's eye all the time in, in uh, Yankee Stadium. He'd say, it gets late early out there. But if you thought about it, he made sense. Yeah. But he was a guy who, he really, he, he came from such humble beginnings. I have seen a picture of him, uh, you know, we, when you're during a depression and everything, we all had, and I was born uh, five years uh, after him, and that's when the depression really hit. And we all had neighborhood baseball teams. We took baseballs and we wrapped them in electrician's tape. God forbid you should get hit with one of them. And that to keep them alive because we couldn't buy a ball. And anyway, he he came out of that milieu, and um, it was amazing uh, what the things that he did. His father and uh, Joe Garagiola was another American baseball player who's still around and a very bright guy and a terrific guy. And he was he was Yogi's best friend, and they lived in houses that were side by side tenement houses in in St. Louis. They lived in a section called the Hill. And all the Italian immigrants settled on the hill. Now, I'm just guessing. The hill might have been five-point-something square miles. That's it. And the first 20 years of his life basically were spent on the hill. He he went to school there. He was confirmed there. He went to church there. Uh, and then uh, he... he uh, when he went away to the miners, he was only away for a month or two, and he'd be back again. One day, there was a restaurant there named Biggie's, a very popular restaurant, and one day Yogi goes in there with Joe, and uh, he says, gee, Joe, look at that waitress. Boy, I'd like to go out with her. And Joe said, well, go ask her, Yogi. He, he said, oh, I, said I can't look at me. I'm so ugly. I can't chew and go out. He said, well, go ahead. Then I'm going to walk over there and tell, ask her to go out. He said, no, don't do it. I'll do it. He walks over, and he says, will you go out with me some night? And she said to him, definitely not. And he looked at her, and, and he said, why? He said, because I don't go out with married men. 
And he said, well, I'm a baseball player, you know. Uh, I'm not married. I'm really not married. And she thought he was a center fielder on the St. Louis Cardinals, who she knew as a married guy, Terry Moore. So she did go out with him. And about a year later, they were married in the same church that both of them were confirmed in. And um, they, they lived their whole life there. Her name was Carmen. She babysat for my kids when we went to spring training in baseball. Now, I've known Yogi. I knew. I guess I, I knew him. That's a better way to put it. I hate to put it that way. I knew him for about 60 years. And uh, I'm not kidding. Yeah, yeah, about 60 years. And, and uh, it was amazing. His parents, his father... And Joe's father worked in in the clay pits there in St. Louis, this section of St. Louis called the Hill. And um, it was broiling hot in the summer and freezing in the winter, and they made bricks during that period. And neither one of them ever made more than $740 a year. And and they raised their kids. And and one day, the way Yogi got into baseball, everything else with Yogi was almost an accident. They're sitting around, well, what are we going to do today? You know, the kids, the neighborhood kids. And a guy comes up, and and uh, and, and um, Joe Garage, I remember his name was Frank. And Frank says, hey, the Browns and the Cardinals, so we're the two major league teams in St. Louis. They're doing something for all the kids at the at the at the ballpark, which is then called Sportsman's Park. And and why don't we go over there and, and maybe get some autographs or something. And Yogi said, no, nah, I ain't going to go. They, they ain't going to give us nothing. You know, they don't care about us. And and um, so what happened is they went. And they had the tryout. And in the tryout, Yogi got it to hit twice. He hit a triple in the home run. This is in a major league park. And um, they signed Joe for $500 at Cardinals. But nobody signed Yogi. They offered him $200 because he was built in such a... Yogi was built like a fire puck. And they said, well, yeah, he could hit a ball. Where are we going to play him? I, we, I don't know what he's got. We, we, we can't... We're not going to sign him. And then they said, okay, we'll give you 250 to sign it. He got mad because Joe got 500 He went, so I'm going home. And he went home. And it turns out that a local guy knew the Yankee farm director and, and, and a local coach prevailed upon him. He said, listen, I don't know where you're going to play him, but I know this son of a bitch can hit. And that's what happened. That's how the Yankees signed him. And he, and he never forgot who he was. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I had a group called Project Pride. We uh, Over the years, we never cost the kids anything. We, about 15,000, 20,000 kids went to it. We had a sports program and other programs. And we had a man of the year thing to raise money, and we made Yogi the man of the year one year. And I had five of our baseball kids up there with this huge statue that we were giving Yogi. Uh, it was made by the same guy. I don't know if you're familiar with it or, or your listeners are familiar, but there's a uh, Rocky statue in, in uh Philadelphia, you know, for the yeah. movie, and and uh, the same guy did this sculpture for us. He did it about about maybe a third that size. And Yogi and the kid said, "Mr. Barra, uh, this is for you from the children of Project Pride." And now our kids in Project Pride were black, white, Latino, Asian. They all everything. They had one thing in common: they were all poor. And Yogi looked at these kids, and he had the in one hand he had the statue. And the other hand, he was ruffling this kid's hair. The kid was about eight years old. And he looked at them and at the audience, and there was about a thousand people there. And he said, these kids, these kids. And then he broke down and cried. And he cried for about 30, 40 seconds. I never saw him cry. I don't know anybody else who did. Maybe Carmen did. And then he got control of himself, and he said, 
these kids, I know these kids, these kids are me. I was them when I was their age. And so, and, and I thought on the hill, and I said to myself, you know, he never left the hill emotionally. That's why he appreciated people so much. That's why he never had an argument with anybody but George Steinbrenner who owned the Yankees, but fans and people like that. He went out of his way to be nice. He is the most beloved Yankee of all, and legitimately, because Manlin and DiMaggio were great athletes. They were not nice people. Yeah. Yogi was unbelievable. He made time for everybody. And and he just was a, a terrific, terrific guy. And when I retired, he went to, well, I retired, sort of half retired. I was 77 back then. That was eight years ago. And uh, I changed my contract and I worked part-time with him. But anyway, they had a big party for me. The paper gave it. And of course, Yogi and Carmen were invited. And Yogi said, gee, Carm, I don't know if I can go. Spring training starts. And she said, Yogi, you're not a player anymore. You're not even a manager anymore. So, and this is Jerry. We're going. And Yogi said to her, you're right, we're going. And I never, I mean, he just was a guy. He was so gracious. So he, he loved people. And he is his own obituary, really. I know I just babbled on, but Yogi could do that to you. He was a marvelous man. Yeah, ah, look, we're, we're more than happy to let you babble away. There's a lot of other things that I, I, I don't know how good a player he was. Can you maybe oh. put some context on that for us? Oh, well, they were right. All the scouts are right. Where are you going to play this guy? He was a squat fire plug with legs. So he came up. Uh, they, they played him as a catcher, but they had a catcher. Then they played him in the outfield. And he was just, he was a so-so outfielder. But he was a great, great catcher. And an interesting thing about Yogi Berra is he may be the only guy ever to get thrown out of a World Series game. He's catching, and they're playing the Dodgers, and Dodgers and Yankees, that's Brooklyn and Manhattan, and Brooklyn and the Bronx. That's two New York teams in the biggest baseball game that we ever had uh, each year, and biggest series, really. And now uh, Jackie's on third, and, he's gonna, and he steals home. And Yogi tags him out. And the umpire calls him safe. And it's a very, it's one of these, what we call a bang-bang play. You know, the umpire has like a nanosecond to make a decision. Well, when Yogi went nuts, he threw his glove down. He he never did this any other time in his life. And the umpire finally threw him out of a World Series game, which was unheard of. So when we honored him at that Project Pride dinner, one of the things I gave everybody who came was a picture of... Yo, of of the Jackie sliding home, Yogi tearing him, and it was taking him out, and it was split in two parts. And the second part, Yogi's throwing his mask, going berserk, and whatever else. So I told the kids when they got up to give him the statue after he finished crying and everything. And one guy said, this is from the children of Project Pride. And Mr. Burrow, we look at the picture, and we know that Jackie was out. <laughs> And I tell you, it was watching him smile was like seeing the aurora borealis. I've never seen it, but it must be that beautiful. <laughs> the, the other thing is that for a lot of us in, um, uh, I guess, of a certain age, the the name Yogi Berra, we're like, well, hang on a second, that's kind of quite familiar. Isn't there a very famous cartoon character? The cartoon character is obviously based somehow on Yogi Berra. Is that right? Uh, uh, no, but I tell you, he. he you're thinking of Yogi Bear, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what, 
there were some they were traveling on a charter flight. That he had the name already, uh, the nickname already, and it was nothing. I mean, it didn't happen this way. But this is what they did to Yogi because the Yankees were always playing tricks on him. So there was a uh, there were books, you know, the magazines on the plane, and it was a kids' book, and. Uh, it was uh, in it was a picture uh, of Yogi Bear. It was a Yogi Bear book, and a guy came over and he, he signed it. So one of the players I remember who it was it might have been Johnny Blanchard. I, I don't know who it was. Anyway, the guy signed it for Yogi, my hero. Signed Yogi Bear and he said, "Hey Yogi, there's a book here for you." And he handed him the book, and the whole plane broke up. So it's just a coincidence. They, they... No, that's a the Yogi name came from the, several things. Well, first of all, his nickname really was Lordy, L-A-W-D-I-E, because his mother was Italian. His name is Lawrence. She couldn't say it. So she called him Lordy, and everybody in the neighborhood called him Lordy. And he was Lordy when he signed. But somewhere along the line, he had a habit. Yogi was what we would call a bad ball hitter. I mean, a pitcher would throw a ball, it'd be up around Yogi's eyes. He'd hit it out of the park. I mean, he had this, and right over the middle, he'd take a call strike. He had this incredible ability to make contact no matter where you threw the ball. And somebody said, geez, they're talking about Mahatma Gandhi, and they said, that's him. He's like a yogi. That's how he got the nickname. Okay, it obviously stuck, and he decided he was going to go with it because it's, uh, it's not a bad one to have. Um, well, he didn't have a choice. <laughs> Everybody in the world called him yogi. He um, he had a career post-playing as well, which a lot of players don't really manage. He, he was obviously someone who knew the game so intimately that a couple of organizations decided they wanted him on the staff, being the manager, being the person who was directing things. Uh, he was a great manager. He knew, he knew, he, he, the thing that Yogi could sense, because Yogi, Yogi, you know, most ball players can't manage. For, uh, for example, if they were pitchers, they want their pitchers to throw the ball the way they did. Well, everybody throws it differently. You know, they ruin players. They wanted to stand in the batter's box the way they did. But everybody doesn't stand that way. And everybody doesn't swing that way. So you got to be able to judge what a guy can do and can't do. And Yogi had this innate ability to see talent. He was amazing. And he was a good manager, not a great manager. Uh, the years that he could have been great... He was with um, the Yankees, and uh, that was George Steinbrenner. And George Steinbrenner managed for all his managers, and he fired them in a terrific fight. Yogi was so angered by it that he they have a thing called old-timers. They all the great heroes come back. All the ball clubs do it. They bring them back for one. They play like a three-inning game before the real game, and some of them are like 60, 70 years old. And Yogi refused to come back for like 20, 25 years until... Steinbrenner finally apologized to him. I don't know how that was done. I don't know the details, but he went back that year, and he never he would never talked about Steinbrenner after that. But I used to kid uh, uh, Yogi all the time. I used to be a toastmaster at a lot of dinners, and after Steinbrenner fired him and they weren't speaking, every time I'd see him in the audience, I'd say, and there's Yogi Berra, who's about to pick up the phone and, and apologize to <laughs> George Steinbrenner, and his voice would say, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> Classic. Uh, normally, when we have you on, we're talking to you about boxing, Jerry. I wanted to just briefly um, talk to you. We had Larry Holmes on the show a little bit earlier tonight. You know, we wanted to talk to a, a heavyweight champion of the world and ask him what he thought of uh, the shenanigans today with Tyson Fury dressing up as Batman. And we rang him up saying, you know, this is terrible. Look at what the heavyweight uh, 
division has become and Larry's take on it was hey look man uh, the week of a fight you get scared you do what you have to do to try and put your opponent off and he didn't begrudge Tyson Fury his moment dressed up as Batman as as somebody who's covered the sport for as long as you've covered it what was your take on uh, the heavyweights today yeah and, and well let me tell you this uh, what, what's the big university in, in Dublin I used to know the name of it Trinity College Trinity that's it exactly you don't see anybody with a PhD from Trinity or Harvard or Oxford saying, I'll be a heavyweight. You know, that's a hard, hard way to make a living. You've got to be hungry. And the hung- where are the heavyweights coming from? Now, we got someone that, that, that claimed that, well, you know, there's so many heavyweight championships, it doesn't matter. They create them every, uh, every night. But they're all coming from Eastern Europe. And Kazakhstan and places like that. Why? Because they're eating one potato a day. They're starving and they're hungry and they really want to get somewhere. That's depressions make fighters. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah. it does. Uh, and I, there are no heavyweight. We have a couple of guys claiming they're, they're having a heavyweight title fight. I don't even know whose title it is. It's ridiculous. When I was a kid, you know what? Uh, and now this will explain what's happened to boxing in many ways. When I was a kid, there were eight weight classes. No juniors, seniors, or whatever else. And there was one governing body. So you knew who the middleweight champion was. And if you didn't know, the answer was, hell, there really wasn't any. Nobody was good enough to be called champion. Well, when I was a young kid and first got interested in boxing, about 11 or 12, six of the the eight weight classes, the champions were Jewish. Then they were Italian and Polish. And uh, then they became black. And then they were Latinos. Well, not in heavyweight class, but what is and then what is this? But the other classes were all Latino. What does this tell you about what it takes to become a fighter? The word is hunger. And a guy explained it to me once, a very famous promoter named Willie the Beard Gilsenberg, and he was a friend of mine. He said to me, "You know," he said, "Ah, these kids, they don't, they're they're going to be power forwards in basketball. They're going to be tight ends in football because they'll make more money. A few guys will make the millions, but other boxers won't make anything." And he said, "You know," and you bring a kid into the gym, you look at him, you say, "God, this kid maybe he's got the build for it, and he's a little arrogant, and maybe he's what we want." And you say, "Well, go." hit the heavy bag and he'll say yeah but will I ever play the guitar again what does that tell you yeah that's the end of that Sherry it's always a privilege spending time in your company thanks so much for sharing your memories of Yogi Berra with us okay and thanks for thanks for not forgetting me Off the Ball Getting Inside the Game sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand Ford Go Further 